Hey, this is Dave Ryder from Cullamunda Church of Christ. Really praying this podcast blesses you. If you'd like to hear more of our story, how about you go to our webpage, cullamunda.church. Let's start by reading the word this morning, verses 11 to 22, which will be up on the screen. Therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away, and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Jesus Christ himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. That is awesome scripture, isn't it, eh? That is awesome scripture. So Paul is writing this, uh, this letter from prison to Gentiles, Gentile Christians, We know there are divisions between Jews and Gentiles. There wasn't actually a a specific problem that was being addressed, but uh, there was a lot of hostility and a lot of division, uh, cultural, social, religious. Paul uh, reminds the Gentiles very clearly who they were before Christ came. He's not shy about it. They're separate from Christ, not part of the Commonwealth of Israel, excluded from any of the promises given to the Jews, without hope, without God. Bible scholar William Hendrickson summarizes it by saying this, they were Christless, stateless, friendless, hopeless, and godless. Doesn't give you much hope, does it? This was a pretty miserable existence. And unless you're a Jew today, that would include us. That would include all of us as well. So that's where the term, uh, uh, you know, the dogs came from. Jews did look down on on the Gentiles and and Samaritans and and others. and, uh, And they would be referred to as dogs. That's what is just so awesome about what Jesus Christ has done. Because 
all of this gets melted away by the blood of Jesus. It's all gone. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. You know, we sang, um, I think it might have been the middle song there. It had a line in there, he made a way where there was no way. That's, that's, that's it. He made a way where there wasn't a way. That's what Christ did for us. So we now sit here and just, you know, that song, The Blessing, we're just so, we're so blessed, church. We are so blessed that we are here. And we should always, that should always be our starting point. That should be our starting point of thankfulness at all times. We have been saved by the blood of Jesus. We are free we are free. I just, I have a heart. I just wish everybody knew that non-churchgoers that they're free. They don't have to pay for what they've, for their sins, for their guilt, for their shame. Jesus Christ has done it. And then Paul explains in verse fourteen what God has accomplished and what He did. Um, if we could just go back, actually, sorry, um, to verse. Four, um, we could. Hit back. Uh, yes, perhaps back one more. There he is. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who are far away and peace to those who are near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Uh, Christ is our peace, makes peace and preaches peace. Uh, if we could just, um, my apologies for, uh, for the slides. I'm, I'm sort of just, if we could just go forward to uh, the next, perhaps the next two slides I think. If we could jump, uh, yep, that, that's perfect actually. There we go. We were Christless, stateless, friendless, hopeless and godless. That's what the Gentiles were. And here we go. Christ is our peace, makes peace and preaches peace. The spiritual wall, God and humanity and the social wall between humans has been broken in Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female for you're all one in Christ Jesus. We're all one in Christ Jesus. Christ is our peace. Christ is our peace offering. In the book of Leviticus chapter 3, it speaks of the peace offering. A lamb without fault, without blemish, was sacrificed to remove the barrier that separated humans, humanity from God, and humanity from one another. So there's the two walls. There's the spiritual wall, God and humanity, and the social wall, which is between humanity. The spiritual wall was between God and us, but the social wall was between one another. In fact, there was a literal physical wall in the temple, a wall of partition in the temple, that separated the Gentile from the Jew and from God. And there was a big sign that basically said if the Gentiles crossed, dared to cross that line, they would be killed. Paul got himself into trouble for... Uh, he was accused of breaking the wall by taking Trophimus, who was a Gentile, into the temple. The Jews wanted him stoned to death, but the Roman soldiers put him in prison. Paul was a Roman citizen. 
So that so Paul is writing about a situation that from prison that actually put him in prison. He's writing about this wall of hostility between the two groups, which is ultimately the reason why he was in, in jail. This temple wall was only small in comparison to the wall of social and religious separation. The Gentiles were referred to as dogs. They were uncircumcised. They were excluded from the special privileges that the Jews had. And so that would uh, obviously, that would make you proud, I guess, as a person. You'd have prejudices against other people groups. You had special rights. You had a superiority complex. Looked down on others. Jesus broke that. Jesus broke this wall between God and humanity, but he also broke the wall between humanity. We're all on a level playing field. The cross does that to us. We're all level. We know this. We're all people who struggle, aren't we, with lots of different issues and uh, thoughts. And I won't go through the list of sins that I've committed this morning, but I wouldn't have time, actually, in the next, next three hours. So... But, you know, at the cross, the Jew and the Gentile became reconciled at the cross. Jesus became the peace offering. He took their hatred for each other upon himself. That's just awesome. He made the one unified humanity. So reconcile really means to turn from, well, from hatred to friendship, from hostility to friendship. The word for peace that Paul uses is iro, or ero, and means to join together. In Christ, both are raised to a new heavenly position and become one race, one single community. We're all in the family of God, aren't we? We're one, we're, we're together. Galatians 3.28 says, uh, there it is, There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you're all one in Christ Jesus. There's that incredible unity under Jesus Christ. He's the head. In the second letter to the Corinthians, uh, Paul expands on, the, on this reconciliation and shares how we should respond. Here it is here. Uh, yeah, 2 Corinthians 5, 17 to 20. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us this ministry of reconciliation. So that's our ministry now, because we've been reconciled. God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Being a new creation in Christ doesn't mean we're just reconciled to God, but we do have that same ministry now because we've been changed. We're like the beggars that have found the bread, and it's now our job to... Show other beggars the bread. Because we're overjoyed, aren't we? Who's overjoyed at what Jesus has done? And we must never, ever lose that, ever, ever. It's, that's, that's our witness. The joy of what Christ has done, the peace he's brought us, that's our witness. That's what people are going to notice. The work of reconciliation is never automatic. 
sinful humanity often ends up building walls and divisions. And Satan loves that, doesn't he? Doesn't Satan love division? Loves to hand us the bricks to, to build those walls, to divide. Satan comes to cause division. We're not, we're in, you know, in our culture here in Perth, we might not really relate to the hostility between the Jews and the Gentiles so much, but we've got plenty of it, don't we, in our own culture without any of that. We, we, we're pretty good at it ourselves, putting walls up. We create barriers often where, when there are differences or maybe someone doesn't fit our expectations or, or what we think is the norm. Maybe it's racial Obviously, barriers between religion, genders, social, economic classes, denominations. I think probably in my time in the Christian church, the denominational barrier has actually come down to a, a certain extent, uh, which is good because we know that there is no, um, there's no denominational names in, in the Bible. I remember once I used to go to, um, uh, years and years back, Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. And uh, who's heard of Graham Mabry? Most of yeah, Graham Avery was has been around for a long time and and been on radio for oh, I don't know thirty years probably or close to, and um, he had a quote that he used to say he uh, he was a Baptist, and uh, back back then you know twenty plus years ago there probably was some division between say you know the Assemblies of God and the Baptists or the Church of Christ and he. He, um, he, he said, look, one of his quotes was, and it's from a Bible verse, but he changed it a bit. For we have all sinned and fallen short of the assemblies of God. So repent and be Baptist. That's <laughs> but it kind of sums up, uh, you, know, um, uh, he, you know, he shouldn't really change scripture like that, should you? Uh, repent and be baptized is the, uh, and there's nothing in there about the assemblies of God either. So. Perhaps we feel uncomfortable. Perhaps we've been offended. We've all been offended, haven't we, by people? All of us have been offended by people. It's normal. It's if you're a person, you'll get offended and you'll offend others. I just wonder, um, perhaps we could give that to the Holy Spirit and ask the Holy Spirit to help us deal with that. Because, um, again, the starting point is what Christ has done for us. But we mustn't pretend we can do it in our own strength. We can't. It's, it's the power of the Holy Spirit in us that changes us from the inside out. We know that we're called to, uh, to, love, to love our enemies. But um, yeah, we all struggle with that, but we're, we're called to. It's the power of the Holy Spirit that enables us to do that. So how do we be ministers of reconciliation and see these walls broken down? Proclaim peace. We are implored to be a rec reconciling people because we are a reconciled people. We are implored to be a uh, sorry. Yeah, we are implored to be a reconciling people because we have been reconciled, haven't we? We are to proclaim that Jesus is our peace, that He made peace. We are Christ's ambassadors and spokespeople to tell others. There's no barrier. We can pray for reconciliation. Ultimately, you know, reconciliation between God, you know, that vertical reconciliation between God and people. We've just got to keep praying for those that 
that uh, don't know Jesus. One of, one of my good friends, actually he's a guy I went to school with, uh, which is quite a long time ago now. Um, and uh, he, we were, both went to a Christian school. He lives up north, up in the country, and he, we got, got into contact again about uh, probably 10 years ago, uh, 15 years ago, and he, he, uh, he's not a believer. He's had a rough life, actually, uh, poor chap. And he, um, he often sends me pretty crude texts, and he knows I'm a believer, and he, he when he's drunk too much or, you know, he, um, perhaps he's on other things, he, he sends me stuff which is pretty crude, but, but God wants me to keep that wall down. He, you know, he, he attacks my faith a lot, but he doesn't, he's not really, I know that there's actually a really hurting soul behind all of that. And it doesn't offend me, actually, when he attacks my faith because I know that he's actually searching. He, um, and so I've got to pr- keep praying for him. Just keep praying for him. It's, it's, it's not my persuasive words that will win him to Christ. It's the power of the Holy Spirit that will win him to Christ. And so I do want to encourage us all. Let's just keep praying for those that we think, you know, this chap's never going to... We don't know that. We don't know what God's doing on the inside of someone's heart. So let's just keep praying for those that haven't been reconciled to, to Christ. Christ has already done everything. And the devil doesn't want them to know that or doesn't want them to believe that. Wants them to think that they're not good enough, which is a lie. We sang a song, you know, I am who you say I am. We actually are. We are who Jesus said we are. We are free. We are redeemed. We're worthy. It's not our righteousness. That doesn't exist. It's the righteousness of Jesus Christ. I'm going to invite Denise up. Denise is going to share a, a uh, testimony. Um, now, Denise, it's lovely to have you here. You were, praying for, you were praying with Kyla, actually, Denise, weren't you, a couple of weeks ago. Do you want to share sort of what that was about and, and what happened? <laughs> I think you've actually said everything about Chris's life. Chris is 81 today. We are actually bringing him home for lunch today to celebrate but two weeks ago was his real birthday he came to the lord um kyla was preaching up here and talking about all the things that are relevant to each of our lives today because there are so many hurting souls out there and forgive me if i cry that's me um but with chris when we first met him Michael's dad was in a nursing home over in Vic Park and you can tell with people when they're hurting, when they're not reconciled to Christ, don't know that peace and that love and that joy that Dave has been talking about this morning. His whole body language was just bent, miserable and lonely and sad and seeking for someone who would just accept him as he was, just as Jesus accepted us as we were when we came in all our brokenness. And the broken ones need for us not to judge them. And so when Kyla asked at the end, was there any need of anybody with prayer, I didn't know that day that I was going to have God say to me there, go up and stand in the gap for Chris. Kyla didn't know that she was going to get a word of knowledge that day. 
We don't know. We don't know someone's appointed time. We just trust. We trust Jesus. And so I stood there in the gap and shared a small portion of how Chris's life, born in the UK, 81 years ago today, was a life shattered with a broken home. And who of us haven't got some brokenness in all of our homes? We've been, Michael and I have been through a lot of brokenness in our family. Nothing compared to Chris. He, at five and seven years of age, he and his brother were taking off out of the family. His other siblings were separated from him. And he and his brother went to what they called a borstal. It was the orphanage. And in the orphanage, awful things happened. Um, it got to the point where I couldn't understand Chris at the home. And slowly we would take him out for lunch and have a coffee somewhere. And I'd keep continually going back. But it, I bet his story came out. He could never eat in front of me. He could never partake of the of what we do this morning, even with communion and having the wine. Because in the orphanage, he was criticised for his eating. He was shut down from eating. He was punished for eating, all because he couldn't eat properly. And um, today, I just want to encourage you, don't stop, don't stop, don't stop praying for those. You know, six and a half years it took to two weeks ago, and Kyla stood there and she and I bowed our heads in prayer and her and I were just teary. And um, she said, I feel like the, word, the Lord is saying to me, he feels unworthy. And I went with that. And at the very last words that she said to me was, as I was leaving, be bold, Denise, be bold. And I think that's something that it's not natural in all of us, you know, because being bold, um, sometimes we feel like it's a bull in a china shop. We're going to be bold and we're going to drive people away. But in this instance, when you have the spirit of Jesus with you, he enables you. And so we had lunch. We would on it on our way back, and I'm silently praying to Jesus. I'm silently praying in tongues because I don't know where to begin. How do you bring 80 plus years into a fraction of time? Only God, but God knows. And so, as we got to the aged care home in Highgate, and Michael got out the back of the car. He went to get some of his belongings behind me and I was driving. So I just turned to Chris and I said, Chris, would you like to give your heart to Jesus? I'd asked before and he'd said politely no. But I just said to him, Chris, time is very urgent. And he just held my hand and he was shaking. And I said, Chris, do you feel unworthy? And he bent his head, tears that and he said yes and I said Chris I felt unworthy when I came so did Michael and none of us can stand before God and say that we've got anything but sin but Jesus broke it he reconciled us at the cross and all I simply said to him was would you like Jesus to come into your heart today and I could hear the boldness coming through from the Holy Spirit and the words of Kyla and he bowed his head and I said to him, it 
can't come from me, but it has to come from your heart. Do you want him? And he said, yes, I do. So he bowed his head and I prayed and then I said, do you want me to pray and say some prayers? And he said, yes. Well, this broken, shattered man of 80 plus years just cried and I cried. And you know, God never gives up on your prayers either. He's always, always, always listening. And I just want to read what Jesus said to us from Luke 8.39. And when Jesus had just delivered an insane man full of Full of so much, we probably wouldn't even understand. But Jesus knows the heart of every man. And he, and he wanted to go with Jesus. He wanted to come and follow Jesus. And Jesus said, return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. And he went away proclaiming. So I would just ask if you would just keep praying for Chris. He's in the aged care home. COVID shut us down. We are only able, because we have never had the flu shot, to go and have them bring us out. But just pray that he will now reach out to all the others that are broken in there. You see people that can't speak, can't toilet, can't even feed themselves, you know. And they're locked away in pain and misery. But, but God, what you said today is perfect. So I bless you all and thank you all for listening and for all the prayers. There are others here. Pastor Steve before also used to pray for Chris. So thank you. Amen. Amen. Wow, awesome. All right. So isn't that wonderful? It's just encouraging, isn't it, to hear personal testimony of uh, the power of Jesus. Proclaim peace. How do we see walls broken down? We, we proclaim peace. Number two, we remember our former state. The cross is the place where barriers are destroyed. The ground at the cross is level. Any standing we have is God-given, not something that inherently makes us better than others. Okay, um, you know, the story of, in, uh, Jesus told a parable in uh, Luke, it's in the book of Luke, tax collector and the Pharisee, uh, you know, th- th- there's a Pharisee who knew the Bible and a tax collector, both of them coming to the temple to pray, and um, it's quite a well-known parable, and the Pharisee walked in and prayed his prayer and he started by thanking God. He said, God, I thank you. But he was looking down on this and this tax collector. He was looking down on him. But the cross makes us level. We're all sinners. We're all, we're all, it's just the righteousness of Jesus alone. The grace of God. And, um, and he said, Lord, I thank you that I'm not like this tax collector. You know, I don't, you know, I'm faithful to my wife. I don't steal, etc. He, he listed his the good things he does before God. Not that God would obviously need to hear them. And the the the, the prayer of the tax collector is just absolutely beautiful. He he wouldn't even look actually up to heaven, which 
it was cultural to actually look look to heaven he, towards heaven when you prayed. But he just he looked down and he beat his chest, and he just said, "Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner." That's all he said. And and the Bible says that the tax collector went home justified, but the Pharisee didn't. Um. You know, the power of the cross, the power of the cross. Last week, Dave Ryder touched on the fact that we suffer from selective, I think he used the term selective short-term memory loss. We don't tend to forget the wrong that's been done to us, but we do sometimes forget the blessings. I know if, if I have people coming up to me, and making uh, um, comments and perhaps occasionally there's a negative comment, I tend to focus on that rather than the lots of encouraging comments that people graciously give me. And we're like, that's human nature, isn't it? We tend to forget the blessings, but, but we tend to hone in on the one thing that wasn't that we've been wronged. Paul wants us to remember... We were Christless. Let's not ever forget where we've come from. We were Christless. We were, include, we were not included in any of the promises and blessings the Jews had. We had no deliverer, no saviour, no place to belong. There was this, this big wall blocking us out. But now look at you. Christ broke that wall and we're included. One of the greatest barriers is the superiority complex where we level people. At times we place someone to be better or greater than us, so we feel inferior or insecure. Other times we judge someone to be less than we are, so we have this proud superiority complex. When we come to the cross and remember, like Paul told the Gentiles to do, we realize that before Christ we're all in the same boat. We're one. Now we're one. <clears throat> no one's above the other. And the law that almost justified this separation and hatred, that law is gone. It's been removed. <clears throat> Both the Gentiles who didn't have the law and the Jews who had the law needed the grace of Jesus. Die to yourself. We sometimes have this me focus, don't we? So the next, start, yeah, die to yourself. Peace comes only when self dies. And the only place self truly dies is at the foot of Calvary. Being a new creation means allowing our old self to die. And that's not something that just happens then and there. It's a process, an ongoing process. We're all in that process. There's parts of us that we're happy to give to God and other parts that we tend to hang on to and... Sometimes that, maybe that's not even deliberate. Jesus died so we may have peace and he became the peace offering. So we too must die to self and at times even join him in being a peace offering. Kyle has got a story here of a friend of the family who was called to be a missionary on a Pacific island. She doesn't mention the island there. There was already two missionaries there. There was a Catholic missionary and a Protestant missionary. And it sounds like a joke, doesn't it? But it's actually not. This is not a joke. <laughs> was it an Englishman, an Irishman? No, it's not, not actually a joke. Two of them, now, so there were three missionary visas that were allowed on this island. There was already a Catholic missionary and a Protestant missionary. And uh, 
they'd been around there for those two missionaries had been there for about 40 years and they hated each other the catholic missionary and the protestant missionary and uh, the friend of the family i'm not sure of the friend's name to be honest applied for got the last missionary visa he was only there for 12 months and then the lord called him back home he didn't know why But during that time, the, the Catholic priest and the Protestant priest became good friends. This guy had actually been a peace offering. He didn't know that at the time, but that's what he was there for. When his ministry of reconciliation was over, God released him. Friend, the friend uh, of the family didn't know the purpose for going there. If he had have known, he, of course he wouldn't have gone found out later on in life in fact he regarded himself as a failure maybe we can be like that at times as well god always knows what he's doing god had other plans and showed him later why he had been there he had been the the peace offering we might get caught in the middle you know of hostility we might experience we get resentful we think life's unfair at times well it is but uh, thank, thank God for Jesus. If life was fair, none of us would be going to heaven. So let's thank God that life is unfair. Perhaps we've been called to become a peace offering, bringing peace between others that have been at war. Perhaps we find ourselves experiencing hostility and we're waiting for others to come and break down the wall. But maybe the Lord is asking us, the Holy Spirit is asking us to be the peacemaker. Matthew 5 verse 9, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. If we could just go to the next slide, thank you. Build bigger tables. Everybody's welcome. Everybody's welcome at God's table. Everybody. It doesn't matter how we judge them. Everybody is welcome at God's table. This is a quote from Sir Philip Gibbs. The problem of fences has grown to be one of the most acute that the world must face. Today, there are all sorts of zigzag and crisscrossing fences running through the races and people of the world. Modern progress has made the world a neighborhood and God has given us the task of making it a brotherhood. So we know this. We get comfortable in, in even church circles. We get comfortable. We have our cliques. Um, and part of that, you know, is just probably people being just natural insecurity we're not naturally not all of us are, find it easy i guess to break out of those cliques and just talk to those that perhaps you wouldn't normally talk to or maybe have interests that are different to yours we all struggle with that we sometimes put up walls just to protect ourselves we know that or sometimes it's just a lot easier to do But the call to be a minister of reconciliation is not only to break down these walls, but also to enlarge our tables, to include everybody. Make room for those outside to come and sit at the table and join the community, have friendship. The Gentiles, it's me, were once aliens, strangers who were excluded. Yet the cross has enabled them to be reconciled with God and with Jews, to join the table, become one family, Everyone belongs around the same table, not Jews, not Gentiles. We're all one under Christ Jesus. 
you know, growing up, um, I was one of eight children growing up. Eight, I don't know how my mum and dad did it because we've got three <laughs> and they're all still alive. <laughs> but it's hard, you know, it's hard work, isn't it? It's, it's full on. And um, mum and dad had eight, six boys too. Yeah, six boys. I was the second oldest. I told them they should have stopped at two and it would have been a lot easier for them. But anyway, they kept going, had eight. And um, growing up, um, I grew up in a family, uh, I wouldn't say a religious, it was a religious family, but dad and mum loved God. They still do, they're still alive. Um, but dad was from a, he had had a lot of tragedy in his own life. We didn't know that growing up. Dad protected us from telling us all of that sort of stuff. But he, his own parents died in tragic circumstances and he carried a lot of hurt. And, um, you know, I, I struggled as a, like a lot of, uh, I guess, teenagers do. You, you struggle with your parents. I did. I had a sister uh, and myself. So there was two sisters. I have two sisters. One of them we haven't seen for about 12 years, but I'm still praying that God will bring her back. Um, but yeah, I struggled as a teenager growing up because I, I was a, a proud person, struggled with pride, and, and, and I also, um, yeah, I, I rebelled, I guess, against sort of the, just the strict rule. And, um, and I, you know, I remember many, many times I, I would even get into physical fights with Dad. Um, and um, yeah, was it, I, was, I wasn't a happy person at all for probably eight to ten years of my life. You know, that tough teenage time and into early, early adulthood. And, and uh, there were many, many times where I wouldn't even talk to Dad. Um, and, um, you know, praise God. I've got a great relationship with my father now. Only because of the, of the Holy Spirit. There's nothing that I could have done that would have changed that. But um, God's spoken to me and spoken to him, and we've got a great relationship now. I love him to bits. And I also understand a lot more now than I did when I was a teenager about why he was so strict, why he was so tough on us. He just wanted the best for us. But his, his you know, that generation, my dad's in his 80s, that generation... Um, that was the way kids were brought up, I guess. And when you've got a big, big clan like we had, you couldn't be <laughs> easy going and, you know, it would have been a riot. There's many, many times w where we would have to follow the police car because we'd lost one of the family members. I remember many, many times. Um, yeah, in fact, in fact, Lockridge Police Station. Um, <laughs> um, I remember once mum rang up the police stations and they knew who she was straight away. And, um, and, and, and mum was lovely. She, they hadn't committed a crime or anything. It was just that they knew that we'd lost one of the kids. And um, so many times we got a free ride in the back of a police car to, to, um, to, to find out where this, where this uh, it was usually Sam, but anyway. Um, just to conclude, you know, the power of prayer. Denise has already um, referred to the power of prayer. Let's, let's just keep praying. It, let's keep praying for those 
that don't know Jesus Christ, let's keep praying. Let's not let the devil trick us into thinking that they are beyond salvation because nobody is. It doesn't matter what background, what crimes have been committed. Jesus died for all. He brought unity for all. He brought peace for all. The other thing, however, is, is us. I know in my own life, I've got to ask the Holy Spirit, oh, Holy Spirit, where is it that I'm, I've got walls up? Or where is it that I'm, I'm actually not accepting of, you know, I'll judge, but do I actually love people? In my mind, I can judge very quickly, but do I actually love them enough to pray for them? I can think of quite a few different sort of groups of people that we may not agree with their lifestyle, but do we actually love them? Do we actually pray for their salvation? Or are we just quick to tell them what they're doing is wrong? Let's, let's ask the Holy Spirit to help us, just to reveal to us, maybe there's individual people in all of our lives that we, we need God's help for this. We can't do it on our own. We know that by now. We need the Holy Spirit to help us. Who is it, Lord, that... Who is it, Lord, that I'm actually, I'm not, I'm, you've set me free, but I haven't set this person free. Who is it? Let's, uh, let's give that to God. Perhaps uh, we've got a song, lovely, we've got a song coming up now. And perhaps just during that time, if, uh, I think the best thing we could do is just um, ask God to reveal to us who it is that we've actually put some sort of wall up, that we've actually, because we've been offended, or well, there might be lots of different reasons. We're actually not, we're not praying for the reconciliation between God and them or between us and them. And so let's let the Holy Spirit work in our hearts as we sing. Are we willing to be vulnerable so the Holy Spirit can use us to reconcile others? But we've got to come to a place first where we've got to be really honest and vulnerable ourselves about where we're at let us by the power of the holy spirit become ministers of reconciliation because jesus christ has done everything for us so let's rely on god's power let's ask him let's let's be used let's be used to bring reconciliation to the world amen Thanks, guys. Thank you so much, Dave. Why don't you give him a hand? We're going to finish off with one more song, so why don't you stand to your feet and sing with us, guys? Love 